Hello, my name is Janice Awolaby, School Safety and Security Specialist for Harris County Department of Education Center for Safe and Secure Schools. Thank you for listening to our Take Care Tuesday podcast today. Our mission at the center is to create a safe environment where teachers can teach and students can learn. Our topic for this podcast is focusing on learning. And while you're doing it, showing grace to the teachers and students. My special guest, Dr. Charles Barrett, will join our conversation today. Dr. Barrett is a coordinator of Diagnostic and Psychological Services with Loudoun County Public Schools in Ashburn, Virginia. He's also an adjunct lecturer at Northern Virginia Community College, the Graduate School of Education at Howard University, and the College of Education and Human Development at George Mason University. He is an award-winning educator for his commitment to students, families, schools, and community. Dr. Barrett holds various leadership positions within the National Association of School Psychologists, NASP, and frequently speaks to a variety of professional and lay audiences about promoting positive outcomes for our children. Dr. Barrett was a keynote speaker at our 2020 School Safety Summit. He led the discussion of social justice and the impact that it has on our students. Dr. Barrett is the author of several books on a variety of topics that are relevant to educators and communicate hope and wholeness. Join in our conversation on how to keep educators keep the main thing, the main thing, focusing on the student's learning when you, the educator, are dealing with burnout, full plates, and the ever-changing education landscape. Let's take a listen. Good evening, Charles. Nice to see you today. You too, Janice. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm, I'm so thrilled to have you. There's um, a lot of things that I've been wanting to call you about and talk to you about. And then when this opportunity came up, I said, this is an opportunity for me to get with Charles. So um, I just want to let the viewers know that our initial meeting, you may not remember it because it was via the Safe and Sound Schools webinar. Uh, you were the presenter. I was a participant. Uh, Michelle Gay and Alyssa Parker had invited you in to talk about um, social justice. And uh, that's the first time I had ever heard of you uh, and anything that you had done. And I was hooked. And I just start searching you and, and going out on the internet and finding a lot of great things that you're doing. And I invited you to our 2020 virtual school safety forum because uh, it was that impactful of what you present. Uh, and, we t and we had you present the impact of social, social issues that were highlighted while in COVID lockdown. Mm -hmm. We talked about best practices of social justice. And then you had a great topic on the intersection of the systemic racism and police violence. Mm -hmm. and what the implications were for uh, outcomes for our students. Sure. And, and I think that was, the, that was the hook that pulled me in because dealing with school safety, I know where curriculum is important, uh, absolutely. Uh, bureaucracy gets in the way, of course, mm -hmm. but it's all about the, you know, it's all about the children and the safe and safety is important. If you have your base safety needs met, it makes the learning a little bit easier, I believe. Uh, right. That's the premise I go off of. But as we continue, right, into this COVID situation or 
don't even want to call it the COVID situation, just 21, 2022 school year. It's where we're returning to in-person. We're trying to reconnect not only with students, but with staff, with ourselves, with adults, with parents. Uh, we, we're rebuilding. We're rebuilding an educational frame that no one's real. It's kind of like a we're building it on the fly mm -hmm. and we're reconstructing uh the student we're trying to fill gaps that personally i know they were there before uh, they just were amplified right. Uh, right. with the pandemic so with all of that being said i the reason i connect with you is because our center's mission is keeping schools safe so teachers can teach and students can learn and I connected with your book, It's Always About the Children. Mm -hmm. Because you pointed out that the very important element of that learning is teacher-student relationship. Absolutely. Uh, you emphasized in the book that the relationship is the important dynamic to make sure the main thing remains the main thing. Right. And that's the love of learning. So even though our center deals directly with safety, it's all about creating an environment that learning can happen. And that always makes it about the children. So with all of that, okay, we come down to this one, one question that I want you to kind of expound on and we're gonna kind of walk through it mm -hmm. is in this new deal we are right now, how do our educators keep the focus on that relationship with dealing with all their, I mean, you know, you're hearing about it because we're hearing about it nationwide, the burnout of teachers, mm -hmm. uh, the pandemic and social issues that are coming into the classroom. And then just the bureaucracy of education and the fact that we're trying to make it about the kids, but still there's those standards and policies and tests and things that it has looming over them. How do we keep educators focused? Absolutely. Well, thank you again, Janice. Great seeing you as well. And great to be here. I'm honored for the opportunity. So I would say that, you know, of course, this year, 21-22 is challenging. Just want to acknowledge that and just name that. Um, in some ways, it's more challenging than last year, 2020-2021. I think um, the excitement of having kids back in the building and teachers back in their classrooms, there's a lot of positivity about that um, kind of leading up to uh, the opening of school. But now that we're in school, a um, couple months in most places, I think we're seeing that it's a lot more challenging than we may have anticipated. Kids are resilient, but there's so much going on around them in their communities, in their homes and schools. Uh, so I just want to name that and acknowledge that all the work that teachers are doing and administrators, principals and others. Um, I see you. I want to just kind of thank you for all that you're, you're sacrificing. But I'll, I would start with a quote from James Comer. James Comer is a noted African-American child psychiatrist, and he says that no real learning ap, um, occurs in the absence of significant relationship. So I think as much as we want to just get back into the reading and the writing and the math and the content areas, science, social studies, I do think we have to spend significant time just making kids comfortable in this environment. I think about students who were um, in kindergarten in 1920, so got through maybe till March. Mm -hmm. and they may have been home all of 2020, 2021. They're now in second grade. So developmentally, um, students may be in a certain grade, but their last real in-school experience was a year and a half ago. So sometimes 
um, even high school freshmen may be acting like seventh graders. That's what they were in school when, uh, you know, when schools closed a couple of years ago. So I think just really establishing a culture, a climate of, of safety, of, of uh, communication, of openness and honesty, um, and really building that into not just a, a morning routine, but really into the fabric of how we do business in your classroom and in your schools. I, I would start with, with that, just the whole relational component. And not, um, and not that it's separate from the content or separate from the instruction, but really embedding that into all that we do, you know, for kids um, and also with their families. The second thing I th I think is is important that we also don't talk enough about is that it's just giving ourselves time and grace. This is a hard. Yeah. Um, I'm trained as a school psychologist, and I talk to sites every day in my own school system around the country, graduate students. And I say that everybody, even, um, even this year, but certainly last year, we're all first year psychologists. We are building the train, as you said, while it's flying down the track. So a lot of things are new to everyone. No one's training prepared them to be living through a pandemic. So I think just giving ourselves time, giving ourselves grace for what, um, um, we're going through, you know, we are going to kind of stumble through this and make the best of it. So I think just again, acknowledging the reality of how challenging it is. And there is no real right answer because we don't know what that is yet. Um, the exciting thing about COVID in this COVID era um, is it, it really is an opportunity to rethink a lot of what we've been doing um, in public education. I think that the the old way of doing things pre-COVID certainly were not working for a lot of students in a lot of ways. But I do think now that we've been here, we can really make some changes um, and move forward in the best interest of children. Um, you know, just to really be more creative in how we've gotten through the last year and a half. So that's where I would start. Certainly, the relational currency or the relational foundation giving ourselves grace, but really thinking about how can we really improve upon um, instruction, upon school climate, upon uh, you know, social emotional learning and discipline, all those things that we've been struggling with for generations, but certainly now there's a more authentic opportunity to really look at schooling differently, and that's exciting. Well, you know, you, you, you said some things that made me really go aha and think that gap because mm -hmm. so often we just think of that gap as skills school skills but mm -hmm. the emotional skills because you are so correct kindergartner went to school in march went home and came back a second grader that's right that's right that is and that is so pivotal i mean there's a lot in first grade that is foundational you know um janice what i've come to realize is some of the the best work we can do at this time is actually reframing adult expectations. So what we thought was um, second grade in 2018 or 2017, that's not second grade right now. So we have to really rethink um, what do we really want to expect and, and what's appropriate to expect, you know, from kids who've missed 18, 19 months of school, and it's not going to look the same. So a lot of the stress that I think we're 
experiencing, I feel is the disconnect between kind of the old way of thinking about, about school and the reality of where we are. Um, so that, it's a lot to shift because as you said, we still have these, you know, state tests and the bureaucracy and all these things that we have to contend with, but those things have not changed. The state's still saying, well, these are the standards, these are the objectives, but when kids have missed a whole bunch of school, that might not be the most appropriate expectation for them. And that leads to a lot of angst and anxiety and just a lot of stress. But I do think reframing expectations, which is very different than lowering expectations. I'm not saying that we ex expect less from, from children or from people, but we reframe what is appropriate given the times in which we're living. And, th th and that's an important distinction. Correct. Reframing does not mean lowering. Mm -hmm. And the other point that you made about giving grace, mm -hmm. um, because as an adult with that anxiety, whatever, we're asking for grace, right? Correct. Uh, from the administrators, from, you know, take all this burden off of me. But that grace as, as educators, we got to be the adults. That grace has to pass down to the kids. Because absolutely, when you, when you said that to me, I mean, a pain went through my heart. I think of my kids when they went from kindergarten to first grade mm -hmm. and I saw such big leaps by the spring that they were getting out of first grade going to second. Mm -hmm. I, I saw the shift. Yeah. If you didn't have that, you Correct. need a lot of grace. That's correct. A lot of grace. I think the big thing also is this kind of this overarching theme in education about um, achievement gaps, you know, for example. So we mentioned kind of the learning, but also the social emotional, the behavioral skills that maybe kids could not develop not being in school. But I really think reframing that as well, that it's not about the individual child and what they're lacking, but really the lack of exposure and the lack of opportunity to learn those types of things. So um, the benefit of structured environments, um, that was not there. The benefit of kind of learning pro-social skills, simple things like sharing and taking turns. Um, and when a lot of kids were home, depending on their family dynamic, they may not have been engaging with other peers their age. So simple things like, you know, um, waiting my turn in a game or asking to play, those things were not being practiced and developed. So it's not that the child is um, inherently um, deficient in those skills, but they were not given the opportunity and not given the chance to really develop those things. So I think those types of, of, um, of skill development, coupled with the reading and writing and the math, we have to be very, very intentional about providing kids a chance to just learn those pro-social, you know, healthy skill um, interactions. With, with, with that, uh, with this rethinking, right, that you're mm -hmm. talking about, you know, because before pandemic, there was a lot of discussion. I know I, I was in a couple of meetings talking about whole child versus, you know, looking at the whole child and educating mm -hmm. the whole child. Do you think that's a, a way to move towards? And I know some schools had, you know, start looking at that. I know I have personally have a family member that she's she's at, at college level now and she's 14 years old because she attended mm -hmm. a school where they didn't they didn't keep grade they didn't keep your where you're moving to they just let you yeah. develop right right yes i i think that's one way to get to the whole child or kind of looking more broadly at at children what's happening um but i always go back to 
this social justice orientation, which is really looking at what's happening around kids, mm. not only what's happening within them. So when children come to school, um, like adults, they don't leave their family or their community difficulties at the door, all that comes to school with them. So I think another thing that we have to be mindful of in this time, if we wanna really adopt this whole child perspective, whole child also means looking at the contextual um, situations around the child. So what's happening in their community? What's happening, happening within their families? Um, how are they faring throughout this COVID situation? You know, someone has said that, we're not all in the same boat, we're in the same storm. Mm. But some have yachts, some have canoes, some have a raft, some have a, a little tugboat. Um, so all of those um, realities based on race, based on ethnicity, based on income, based on sometimes gender and all the differences have to be appreciated, to really appreciate or to understand uh, this whole child perspective. It sounds great, but I do think part of the whole child is really looking beyond the kid and all that's happening um, and affecting them, you know, in so many ways. Okay. There, there was something that you said in a, um, a webinar that you had with Safe School. No, it was on a podcast with Safe Schools uh, because the, the thing that we've been concentrating on a lot during this pandemic is social emotional learning, mm -hmm. social emotional principles. And you said uh, taking that SEL principles that framework so that's not just considered an appendage. Mm -hmm. Can you kind of expound on what you were talking about with that? Yeah, so I think in, in schools, we have this um, kind of fragmented approach. We have, we teach academics and that's one thing. And we teach uh, maybe problem solving and that's a separate thing. Then we have mental health and we have behavior and then we have SEL over here. And kids are not fragmented uh, people. Kids are just their whole beings. So I think the more that we can integrate all of these concepts across the curriculum, embed them into the different activities, it becomes a lot more unified and I think kids get it. So my, my SEL lesson around um, how to deal with disappointment or how to deal with frustration, that becomes relevant in a math lesson when I get the wrong answer. Um, so the math lesson or the math instruction becomes an opportunity to um, practice those skills and highlight what we talked about in SCL time maybe earlier in the day. So I think the the kind of the uh, the integration of the diff these um, different areas makes a lot of sense to really uh, promote the most positive outcomes for students rather than having them more siloed in these different camps. That's a challenge I think that a lot of schools are wrestling with. Um, how do we just integrate systems and integrate all these things? Another example is that um, we have one school team, for example, that's talking about academics. And another school team over here is talking about the child's mental health difficulty. And a third team is talking about their behavioral difficulty. And oftentimes these teams don't talk to each other and that's just not, not effective. So all of these things are affecting the child in so many ways. So why not integrate all of those folks, all their, um, their expertise, their skills. And when you start addressing them, then the academics play into the behavior, which plays into the mental health, all that just kind of comes together. So that was my intent, that idea of just not having this siloed approach that these are standalone 
um, skills or standalone um, foci, but really um, they're part of all that we do. As I said before, embedding the relationship component into the fabric of how we do business. Same thing with the SEL and the academics and other, other things we're teaching children to do. That, that, that's a very big hot button for me because uh, in safety and security, we do it with physical safety and mm -hmm. emotional safety. Mm -hmm. And my partner, I, uh, the biggest thing that we're, we've been working on and we're trying to make it work and be right is how do you integrate those two together when you talk to teachers? Yeah. Because everybody's plate's full. Mm -hmm. And as we, we, we give a program for this, a program for that, why, how can we integrate those two things together? Because they go, they go together. Emotional and physical safety go together. Exactly right. Very, very important. I think it's certainly um, maybe opportunities for leadership to just kind of, again, rethink. I don't think what we're trying to do is necessarily harder. I think it's just working differently and working smarter. Um, and again, what better time than this natural opportunity where we have to do things differently. Um, I think what schools did to pivot to virtual learning and all that was happening, that was fabulous. And in a lot of ways we were doing things quickly that we never thought we could do or would do. So I, I know that we have the potential, the capacity to do it, but I think just taking some time to think differently about what we, you know, once we're doing it is, is comfortable, I'm assuming, but what's gonna be more necessary and beneficial to kids moving forward? Uh, it, it's that comfort zone. Yeah, I, I see it all the time when I go into schools and I'm doing safety audits and and I just see, you know, see a door propped open. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you know, what's the most important thing with safety? Well, no, it's not because you propped open a door mm -hmm. and you propped open the door, not because you were being um, defiant, mm -hmm. because it was easier, it's more comfortable for you because it's what I need is right there. I don't right. want to have to walk all the way around. So when you said that, it's like, it's time for us to start walking all the way around. Correct. Okay. Right. <laughs> find if we walk all the way around, it's a more efficient way to work. Exactly right. Exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's an, it's absolutely an interesting time. It is. Uh, Exciting too, though. Very yeah, no, I, I liked how you how you put that in there that, you know, it's not so apprehensive as excitement is there, the rethinking, the reengineering. Mm -hmm. I think we've all been talking about school needs to be done a different way. Yeah, here it is. Here, thank you. Here's our opportunity. Here it is. Here it is. Now, I'm actually looking forward to what happens, you know, three years down the road, five years out and kind of where we are. It, it would be a tragedy. And, and not just in school, but in life in general, that we come through 18 months or 24 months, however long this, this lasts, and we revert back to how life was in January and February of 2020. That would be a tragedy because yeah. so many things I think had to change. Um, I was thinking, you know, last year when the pandemic first started and life just stopped, kind of slowed down, in some ways that was necessary. We mm. could not keep up this pace of just running and doing all these things. It just wasn't working. So I have no you know, master plan ideas about you know, why this happened, but I do think in many ways we had to just stop and slow down. So I'm, I'm really hoping that we don't revert back to the pre-COVID days, which were, which were fine in many ways, but also we're not fine in many ways. And what have we learned that we're doing better 
And how do we continue to refine that in the future for children? Well, what, one exciting thing, when you talked about it, excitement of it mm -hmm. and doing things differently, I would have never met you if it hadn't been for the pandemic. Oh, you're kind, Janice. You're kind. Likewise. Likewise. I know, but you know, the Zoom, the, the yes. fact that people that we normally don't get a chance to to connect with. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We, we connected. I mean, and, and it, it's an authentic, and I hope you think it's authentic connection. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I'll give you an example as well. So when we started doing a lot of virtual meetings um, in my school system uh, last year, we saw significant increases in family involvement. So now the family who had to take off work and maybe not get paid to drive a half an hour to the meeting, spend an hour at the school, drive a half hour back, that's two hours of unpaid time for many people. But now we saw them in their car, we saw them outside and they could participate. So that to me was one of the biggest benefits is that we saw families coming to meetings that typically could not, not because they didn't want to, but going back to again, access and opportunity, we, we provided a meaningful um, vehicle for you to participate in your child education. So that to me has been fabulous. Uh, so it wasn't all bad, hasn't all been bad. No. So how can we continue to, again, build upon, refine those things and make it even better for the kids? Yeah, and, and it's, it's kind of like, you know, cause people uh, put education on this throne and we were up on this throne calling people to come to us, come to us. There you go. There you go. Off the throne, and we opened up uh, vehicles. And the thing that I truly like, like about it, it was, even though technology has been hard on some people as far as getting access to it and whatever, everybody yeah. has a everybody has a phone, and go. we became we became not the parent. We became better. Correct. At what the phone could do. Correct. You know, I think we were we were living in an ivory tower. Um, thinking, you know, what the people had and what they could bring to the table, but no, they, they had a lot to bring to the table. We just weren't seeing it. So exactly right. Exactly right. Well said. It's cool to look at it that way. There, there's a, there's a lot that I can talk to you about, but I want to get to this one uh, because I okay. really, I really like, um, I love your book all about the children. Mm -hmm. uh, my husband works for Coke and they, he has a phrase. He, he always laughs at me. He says, don't get too far away from the truck. <laughs> that's what they say in their industry <laughs> like you moving your career and you get further away from that coke truck uh-huh you're, you're missing the point you could be eliminated <laughs> I, uh, I like that i like that so when i saw this one we had to the book today in school psychology this is why a day without direct contact with students is a waste yes so what was your when you did that what were you yeah. thinking about when you i that was totally serendipitous. Um, I started probably maybe 2019, just started trying to chronicle my day as a school psychologist with kids. So I might post a story about testing a student or I'm in a meeting with a family, with some school staff. Some of them are just funny things that kids say to me, you know, kind of off the cuff, but some of them are just, just things that I've learned and thought about to give people a window into the world of education. And honestly, I was missing my kids mm. um, towards the end of the 2020 school year. So probably around March or April, I said, what can I do almost as a tribute to them? Because I, I just was missing that contact. 
Um, so I compiled about, I don't know, 80 or so short stories in volume one that was released in uh, 2020. And then volume two is kind of this COVID year, 20, uh, 2020, 2021, just more experiences. Um, my favorites are the ones that kids just say these really innocent, but they're hilarious. Um, <laughs> but a lot of it's also pretty profound and they don't, they don't know how profound they're being. Um, so as a psychologist, I work with adults, I work with teachers, families, but the best part hands down is that daily direct contact with kids. So I try my very best to have that. Um, if it's outside with buses, if it's in the cafeteria, if it's in the hallway, just I gotta have at least a few minutes of a kid just talking to me and saying something because that that for me fuels my passion, energizes me. Adults are cool, adults are great, <laughs> but I became a psychologist to work with kids directly. So that's just saying school psychology, just a bunch of funny things, but also insightful lessons about the field and education and teachers and check it out if you want to. Yeah, I, I definitely will. But I, I want to give I want to give a kind of a teaser to help our fellow educators who are out there and they're with the kids every day. I mean, I'm not in a position where I'm in the building with kids. I'm with adults more than more yeah. so now than ever, too. Um, but the ones that are out there and they say, OK, yeah, y'all want to be with kids. What's a good one that you can think of a good uh, little story that comes out of there? Because um, kids are, do say the darndest things. There are so many, but I want to give you, I think it's the last one. Um, uh, I want to find one for you. It, it, it's so, so many in here. Yeah, because when you were talking about, because uh, in the podcast you, with the Safe and Secure, you were talking about you were going to be doing it. It's, they're good icebreakers. I think they're yeah, good things yeah. that teachers can use in the classroom for themselves or just use to uplift themselves when they're, when they're, when they're uh, kind of reconsidering things. Correct. Correct. <laughs> so, um, so many. Um, well, I give the last one. The last one is called Monday morning chat. And I say, you haven't smiled until you've read a highly active Google Meet chat with fourth and fifth graders. Three things, happy Monday. Number two, the day isn't over yet, but I'm sure this is going to be the best part of it. And number three, this is why a day without direct contact with students is wasted. So that one, I was in a meeting, a virtual meeting with some fourth and fifth graders. And you know, kids just kind of, they just fall into place and they learn how to do online learning. And the chat was just blowing up with all kinds of things in there. Uh, but they were so mature about what they were saying. But it, it was just hilarious to really see, you know, these little people really engaging like little adults, you know, in the chat. So that's just one that kind of reminded me that was probably nine o'clock in the morning. But whatever I did after that would not come close to what I experienced already with these fourth and fifth graders. So, so, so many in there. Um, yeah. Oh, here's another one. Here's a cute one. Um, this is from a teacher, student's name. So Charles, I noticed that you are lying on your bed. Please join us for read aloud. So that was one where the kid was in bed doing virtual learning <laughs> and, and the teacher in a way that only first grade teachers can do it. Just the most sweet, um, kind redirection. But it, that one showed me how 
how teachers were just adjusting to seeing kids in in their living room, in their bedroom, you know, outside and on a, on a park bench, and they still taught them. Um, but kids were also doing the best they could. I'm tired today. I'm going to be in my bed, just kind of lounging in in class. But it was great. It was great just kind of hearing hearing all those. So yeah, definitely check out these um, these stories. But also, uh, as I said, there there's some serious ones in there too that really get us thinking about issues of of justice and equity and opportunity and access and all that too. So you can smile, you might cry too about some of them, but it's all good. Okay, I, I will definitely check it out myself and I will I will shout it out on my podcast as well I, to check I that out. That. <laughs> well, the thing that we do here, like this is our Take Care Tuesday. And when we started this podcast, it was like, we have to stay relevant with our clients and making sure mm-hmm. we get information out there. But we also want, everybody just to chill take care of yourself because it's tough it's tough for us all Mm -hmm. so what i'm going to end our podcast with is asking you the question how do you charles barrett take care of yourself you know janice this is always the hardest question for me because i don't have any real routine i do a lot of things because i love it teach, I work full-time for a school system, I write, and a lot of that does fuel me. Um, It hardly feels like work because I just enjoy what I'm doing, but I would say this, I get fueled by encouraging other people, so every day I send this morning um, kind of inspirational message through my app, and that really brings me a lot of satisfaction, Um, just knowing that, you know, a few hundred people receive this and it's a real short thing that kind of inspires them, motivates them. That really is it, it is helpful for my own kind of well-being. On a on a lighter note, um, we are now in what I call home alone season. And home alone is my absolute favorite movie. Uh, <laughs> I can watch Home Alone every day, the middle of July like the first time I saw it. So that has been a major stress reliever for a long time. So sometimes just watching Home Alone, we saw it over the holiday weekend uh, recently, uh, Home Alone 1 and Home Alone 2. So <laughs> if, if I do anything semi-routinely, again, even in March and April and June, uh, probably Home Alone can bring me down um, you know, most days. <laughs> well, good. Well, good. Well, I was going to let that be your last thing, but I do want I do want to support our educators out there and uh, let them know that um, that there is there is light on the other yes, side of this. Absolutely. Uh, I felt like personally, I'm telling the, my po- the podcasters, I felt like I got light because I did connect with Charles's uh, meditation that he sends I'm calling it a meditation but what you send out in the mornings yeah yeah so it shows up on my phone and that's a great thing to hear and read when I get it but I want you just to to uh, uplift our educators and leave them with some um there's a lot of like you said there's a lot of goodness yeah so I just want to leave it with light yeah so you could leave them with some light to uh Absolutely. look forward to Absolutely. I would say this that we are going to get through this I I am more than confident that COVID is not here to stay. Life has changed and life may change, you know, some more over time, but we are going to get through this. 
my encouragement to you is every single day, give yourself a break by taking a break. And you know what that is for yourself. Um, oftentimes in schools, especially as educators, we tell kids that they have to earn their break. You have to earn your reinforcer or earn access to you know, your, your break. We're gonna bend the rules and say, you don't have to earn it, but you deserve it. So whatever that means for you, just unplugging for a few minutes in the morning, afternoon, evening, it is more than okay. The last thing I'll say is this, we all struggle with um, time and timelines and where I should be and I'm behind, all those things. But when you feel like you are um, behind where you might wanna be in some areas, and then you also feel that, like you might be ahead in some areas, all that means is you are exactly where you are supposed to be. So I might be behind because my timeline said, well, by this time I should be done with this degree or by this time I should be done with this certification. But then you feel like I'm ahead in other areas. All that means is you are exactly where you're supposed to be. Last quick story. It took me 11 years to get my PhD. And I never thought that that was going to be the case. I did undergrad in three years flat. Went mm -hmm. in with some credits from high school, did some summer courses, took extra credits in um, fall and spring, and it was easy. I just knew that leaving undergrad at 20, I'm gonna walk out of grad school with my PhD at 25. I, that was my goal. Mm -hmm. And life happens. So I wanna encourage you that that 11 year process wasn't my plan, but as long as you keep moving forward and doing something, it all works out on the other side. So ahead in some areas, behind in other areas, you are exactly where you are supposed to be. And I believe that with my heart. So I want you to hold on to that, be encouraged with that. Thank you, Janice, this has been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. I think you just all gave us a little grace. <laughs> I appreciate that. We all need it. We all, we need, all it. need it. All right. Thanks, Charles. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us on this week's episode of Take Care Tuesday. Remember, you can follow us on Twitter at CSSS underscore HCDE. You can also reach us on our website at www.hcde-texas.org by clicking on Support Services and then click on Center for Safe and Secure Schools. Again, thank you for joining us. Stay safe, stay secure, and take care. Bye.